Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders for the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And in today's episode, I'd like to talk to you about what happens after death. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 makes it clear that it is something we will all experience if the Lord does not return before we do with these words. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. In thinking about the subject, it is obvious that there are some very good reasons to study it, not the least of which is that all of us are going to experience it in one way or another. So it's good to talk about it, think about it, meditate upon it. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verses 1 through 4 the following. He said, A good name is better than a good ointment and the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. The mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. Solomon's point is that it is a good and worthwhile thing to not only think about what happens after death, but to consider it deeply, to take it to heart. Why? Because it is the door through which we step into eternity, and how we have lived our lives is going to determine what happens then. If we think about it and give it serious consideration, then I think we would all have to join our voices with Balaam who stated in Numbers chapter 23 and verse 10, let me die the death of the upright and let my end be like his. There has been a great deal of speculation and a great deal written about the moment of death, that exact instant when we move from the physical existence into the spiritual realm. I'm not altogether certain about that moment. I don't know just what it will be like. But I do know that for the faithful child of God, it is not something that needs to be feared in the sense of dreaded. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 116 and verse 15, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. That being the case, what do we have to fear? Turning over to Luke chapter 16, we'll be reading verses 19 through 31. There are those who say that these verses are a parable and others who say that Jesus is relating an actual event. Either way, the lessons taught would be the same. A parable uses real, everyday things to teach spiritual truths. So even if it is a parable, the Lord is not relating some myth. Here is the passage. Now there was a certain rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, gaily living in splendor every day. And a certain poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, 
covered with sores and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now it came about that the poor man died, and he was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things, but now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great chasm fixed, in order that those who wish to come over from here to you may not be able, and that none may cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. While some reject this, it is to me the clearest description of what happens to man after death found in the scripture. There is a spiritual realm that is called Hades in God's word. That is the New Testament word. It corresponds sometimes with the Old Testament word Sheol, but not all the time. Sheol is used frequently to refer to the grave, whereas Hades never is used to refer to the grave. Hades is the realm of departed spirits. It is the realm of the unseen. It is a spiritual realm, and as such, it is not bound by the constraints of time as we know it. Hades is an intermediate state between death and judgment. If someone has been dead for a thousand years before the Lord returns, does that mean that their stay in Hades has been like a literal thousand years on earth? The answer to that is no. It is a spiritual realm, not bound by time. Remember what Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. The verse says, But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Hades is divided into two sections or realms that are separated by a great gulf, meaning that one cannot go from one realm to the other. There is Abraham's bosom, a place of blessing where the saved await final judgment. It is also referred to as paradise. Remember when Jesus was crucified and hanging on the cross, and an exchange took place between the Lord and one of the criminals crucified with him? It is found in Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. And the Bible tells us this, and one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurtling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him, said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, 
Today you shall be with me in paradise. Jesus did not ascend to heaven that day. As a matter of fact, three days later on the day of his resurrection, he told Mary Magdalene in John chapter 20 and verse 17, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your God, and my God and your God. What Jesus promised that criminal was that that very day he would be with the Lord in the realm of the blessed in Hades. The other realm of Hades, separated from paradise by that great gulf that cannot be crossed, is torments. Another word that is used to designate the same place is Tartars. At least I believe it is referring to the same place the place of torment for the wicked awaiting final judgment. It is interesting that Tartarus is found in Second Peter 2 and verse 4 where we read, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment. The word translated cast them into hell is Tartarus. It is the abode in Hades that answers to torments. It is the same realm. It is my conviction that at death, our fate being sealed with any, without any chance of it being changed after we die, all men go to Hades to await final judgment, either to paradise or torments. It is a mistake to think of people sitting in Hades, either in paradise or torments, waiting years and years and years for the final judgment because Hades is a spiritual realm that is not bound by time as the physical realm is. At some point in time, and we do not know when, Jesus will return. When he does, all who are in the graves are going to come forth for judgment. In John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, we find Jesus saying, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tomb shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. It also calls to mind 2 Corinthians 5.10, where Paul wrote, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in his body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. At this final day of judgment, Hades will cease to exist. Look at Revelation, or consider with me Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, a passage that I believe is describing the day of judgment. It tells us, And I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books, according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. All who ever lived will eternally be in one of two destinations, either heaven or hell most frequently translated from Gehenna. The truly wonderful thing about it is that where we will be eternally 
is entirely up to us because of the glorious work Jesus has done through his marvelous grace. This is what I believe happens at death to all, based on my understanding of the scriptures. There are other views that are taken, most of which I would be forced to reject outright. But there is one that I would not argue with. I don't agree with it, but if it turns out to be true, I'll be tickled to find out. There are those who view statements made by Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8, and Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, as indicating that when a faithful child of God dies, he or she goes immediately to heaven. Let's read those passages. First, 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, we find, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, for that is very much better. I personally see difficulty with this view because of what the scriptures say about the final judgment. The scriptures teach that all will be judged that day, and heaven is depicted as the final abode of the saved, and hell as the final abode of the wicked. After judgment, there will be no more death or Hades. Let's consider briefly two more passages that support the view that the faithful go immediately to heaven, and if that is the case, that is wonderful, but I don't really think that is what these passages teach. In 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 13 we find, so that you may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Also in chapter 4 verses 14 through 17 of the same book we find, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him with, with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. All I really believe that these verses teach in relation to what we are talking about is the order of events on the great day of judgment. Instead of teaching that Jesus will be bringing the saved from heaven, they are teaching that the dead in Christ will rise from the grave and come forth from Hades first. Then those of us who are alive at the time of the coming will be changed and meet them in the air. At least that is how I understand it. However, either way, the death of the righteous is a glorious thing, precious in the sight of the Lord. But for the non-Christian, all that awaits in Hades or Gehenna is torment. I am so thankful that I am not the judge but I do have the responsibility to tell people what I know the Bible teaches is necessary to be saved. It is all that I can do. It is all that I have the right to do. I hope you'll consider these words carefully. Thanks for listening.